Welcome back to day 25 of our journey through the Bhagavad Gita. I'm here with Chaitanya Charan, our, our teacher and good friend Balaram in Atlanta. We are starting on text 26 of chapter 2. So chapter 2, text 26, and we're still talking about the incredible qualities of the soul. Last session we talked about past life memories and it's crazy. So let's see what, where uh, CC takes us today. Um, all right, Krishna taking us in the Gita. I'm just a guide for the journey. So, Atachainam Nityajatam Nityam Vamanya Semritam Tathapitam Mahabaho Nainam Shochitum Arhasi. Let's do that. Is it fixed? If, however, you think that the soul or the symptoms of life will always be born and die forever, you still have no reason to lament, O oh, mighty armed. So here, Krishna is in one brief verse, the Bhagavad Gita, it's deconstructing the materialistic worldview. Most people think that our oh, spirituality, like Balram, you mentioned, the idea of believing in a soul, believing in reincarnation, is all far out. This it doesn't make sense. This is not rational. But if you consider that the soul, which might seem irrational, we'll look at whether it's irrational or not. But if you accept the soul. Then our whole life, as we live and experience, that it makes a rational sense. I'll explain what I mean. On the other hand, if we say no soul, why? Because I think that's rational. I can't see any rational idea for the existence of soul. If we accept this idea that there's no soul, then our life itself, all of life, the way we live it, it becomes irrational. So what does this mean? That, you see, if there is no fundamental core to us that has some higher value, that there is something which brings uh, ir like an irreducible sense of identity, individuality, personality, and uh, value to a person, then why do we care if we just look at the body it's, and we say the body is all that the person is and the body is just made of chemicals and all the chemicals in the body if you just took them in isolation the chemicals would be just uh, worth a few hundred dollars so chemicals that comprise the body with inflation the rates might have been more earlier, but they're just a few few dozen, a few hundred dollars at most. So now, it's not a small amount, but it's not a huge amount. Now, just because somebody loses a few hundred dollars, they're not going to uh, sing songs of agony or be heartbroken for the rest of their life. So, we implicitly understand that 
a person is more than their biological self so that a person is more than their their biology a person is more than their body <clears throat> in fact if we consider intuitively the way we behave we don't like it when we are reduced to our biology if somebody reduces another person to their skin color or you are black you are white somebody reduces another person to their just their looks now of course looks matter but a person just reduces other person to just you know you are just uh, just their looks we don't if somebody reduces a person just to their physique you know okay you are a well built person okay that's a part of who i am but we actually don't we understand that people or people are more than their physicality however we see the physicality it could be strength it could be looks it could be complexion it could be a skin color it could be race or whatever so the way we live it militates at a fundamental level against the idea that we are just materialistic creatures so consider for example the value of equality now that's one of the founding principles of america equality you know we are all born equal and we all have a right to the pursuit of happiness life liberty and the pursuit of happiness now on what basis are we actually equal if we consider material parameters we are it's what comes out to us is that we are not equal our height is different our weight is different our maybe hair color is different our skin color is different our organ sizes are different our uh, biologically the equality has no basis and yet beyond all of these we have a, we have an intuitive sense you know we should treat people equally that there is some irreducible core of humanity to people so what really defines our humanity we say we belong to a particular species okay but is it that we care for people just belong because they belong to our species so there is something much more to it even then what do you, how do you define a species also but see it's not that an animal species all dogs creature let's not talk about dogs or all dogs or all cats or all lions they intrinsically treat everyone equally not necessarily but we humans do feel that there is some core that is that's why discrimination feels so wrong to us so the way we live the way we conduct ourselves the sanctity of life and the idea of equality two things i'm talking about the sanctity of not just life the sanctity of individuality that each one of us is a, is a individual the way we love and respect people is more than more than for that is for more than their biology and that people should be treated equal so that stems from the idea that there is something more to us beyond our body mm-hmm. so at this point i was making i just summarize this that if we say there's no soul then our aspiration for the dignity of life for the equality of individuals all this becomes irrational but 
if we understand that this the, the dignity of life the equality of people it is true that it becomes much more rational if we take the existence of the soul so krishna is saying over in his verse if you really think that there is nothing like the soul then the body is just a biological bag of chemicals why would anyone lament for a certain biological ba- certain bag of chemicals getting destroyed chemicals keep getting destroyed all the time changes is the nature of the world so why would you lament so in one sense it's ironic that materialism it makes even material emotions pointless if we take materialism to its logical deconstruction not just a sentimental oh i am attached to material things but if we rigidly deconstruct materialism it just makes all of existence pointless so why lament the it's not even destruction destruction or disorganization the chemicals are still going to be there but in some other form disorganization of a bag of chemicals that's what the body is from materialistic perspective so the person is much more anyway so that's my point you are saying something radha devi yeah it's like we we get this on some levels just like you were pointing out like we don't we know as human beings we don't want to be judged by our externals by the way that we look by the shape of our body even even by like our genders like some of these externals were really we we know that we don't want to be judged by it and we've set like our moral compass accordingly but it's almost like it's almost like we don't dig deep enough like okay so if that's if we all want to be equal and we know enough that we all want to be equal we all feel that what what is the the equalizer and the the equalizer is that our identity is is all the spirit soul and in that we're all we're all equally a part of of something bigger and um so it's interesting that we do get this to some point to some extent we just we don't seem to dig deep enough even though the evidence is all there in a sense we don't we don't dig deep enough true yes thank you any comments balram yeah i was thinking something i heard early in grade school someone said that even if you don't think about philosophy you still have a philosophy and wouldn't you like to know what the conclusions of your philosophy are and where they came from and i i loved how you talk about uh this contrast between believing in a soul and believing in human equality because it's so fervent all of the time people believing and fighting for so called equality uh is i'd love to better understand our Uh, culture and how these things underlying beliefs yeah. behind what we say exactly we have uh, got in one sense that at a very basic level philosophy is a world view it's much more than that right because philosophy talks about beyond the world also there is a reality and we try to understand that also but everybody has a world view so in one sense it is just an unexamined philosophy and it's like if i consider my philosophy to be like my 
world view and i consider my world view to be like my map so if i'm using a map without checking whether the map is right or not i've really never spent much time examining hmm, my map that could be dangerous i might be thinking i'm going in a particular direction but the map is the map is pointing me in a direction different from my destination so it's so important for us to um do not if you don't want to be misled to examine our philosophy so krishna is doing that by telling arjuna that the very fact that you are lamenting implies that you understand that there is more to a person than their biology than their body hmm. and then he comes back to that point he says jatasya hidruvo mrutyur dhruvam janma mrutasya cha tasmad parihari arthe atvam shochitum arhasi Is that me? Yeah, I think so. Okay. One who has taken his birth is sure to die, and after death, one is sure to take birth again. Therefore, in the unavoidable discharge of your duty, you should not lament. Here, the Gita is talking about the cycle of life. That this theme, which has been discussed earlier, that death. is it's it's a transition not a termination and there is the wheel of life that is talked about the cycle of life or the wheel of life and this wheel has been conceived in many different ways but the idea is that in this wheel of life if we consider birth to be the high point there's a whole idea of freshness is there but from birth you go round and round till you come to death and you again come to birth so from like we discussed earlier from birth there might be growth then there is maintenance you learn how to survive then there is reproduction then there is deterioration this cycle it goes on we see in nature nature in general works in cycles see the day from it's a cycle there is day there is night the months are in cycles the years are in cycles the environment moves in cycles then in the planets days months years all your planets on which you base our time they all move in cycles so Krishna is talking about the cyclicity of existence, and he's saying that this cycle is going to go on. So you cannot, Abhishek and others—they are born; they are going to die. You cannot stop that. And when somebody dies, they are going to be reborn. You cannot st stop that either. Therefore, the duty that you have been called on to do, don't abandon that duty. in the hope that you can prevent that which is un unpreventable you can stop that which is unstoppable so the focus uh, what is the duty he will talk about in the next verse next section rather so the point is why quit your duty stop the unstoppable the cycle of birth and death is going to continue on 
you're not going to stop it by by quitting your duty so better don't at all any reflections yeah i've been thinking about this analogy of the dress the garments and it's like when you change your trains your dress at the end of the day or or what have you it's like yeah that's you're never gonna really lament over that but it it is so hard because it's it's something we can't see. That's what's so scary about death. You know, it's like we can't see the other side of it. And so our our vantage point, it's like it's so we have to build that level of trust. We almost have to we, we have to build that level of trust and relationship with the divine in order to not feel so scared about it and unsettled about it. And that's, I guess, what a spiritual practice is, huh? <laughs> yes, that's a good. now the fear of death and uh, that is natural and that will be discussed about in the 8th chapter but the point is two things over here that the stage that if what we value truly is all on this side of death then death is totally devastating but Death forces, what do we really value? What do we care for? If what we care for, as you rightly said, is, is Krishna, is God, is the divine, then uh, we will not be so overwhelmed by whatever is the problem going on, even including death, because what we value is beyond it. And while we, uh, is it on this side of death or is it inside us that will go on with us through death? That's why those who, who have learned to care for their consciousness, they are not that affected by that. For them, death, see, death can be Mm. It can be devast it can be devastation or it can be an dysfunction which is a incon it can be inconvenience. It's a functional inconvenience. It's like I had a car. Mm. This is for the materialist. It's the end. For the spiritualist, I had a car and my car has broken down. So Okay, I need to find another car. When will I get to that car? I have to keep moving towards my destination. There is some inconvenience. It's not that a person will just not even notice that death is happening. That is very rare. But, but the point is, oh, yeah, it's not that uh, if my car was damaged in an accident, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that I was killed over there. So that's why there is a different perspective of looking at death. So we see the body as of utility. And the body is damaged, then we have to transition to a new body. So the yeah. de- so it's that the degree of lamentation or the degree of negative emotion is substantially reduced when we have this broader view. Yeah, you talk to people too who like have been with somebody who's very who's cultivated a really strong spiritual practice in their life. They've been with them at that moment. Versus somebody who hasn't, and I mean, it, it could be, it's kind of, 
sad to say, but there's like, there's a difference. Like Veda just visited his friend, you know, who was, who was passing and she had such a strong relationship with Krishna. And he said it was like the most incredible experience of his life. He's like, you could really feel the presence of Krishna. Um, And that's just so inspiring to hear stories like that in terms of like, yeah, that's, that's why we're all here is that's, that should, that's where we should be at the end. Yeah, true. Okay. So, not how many comments? Should I move ahead? My laptop was demonstrating death. No, no, not death. What did he call that? Deterioration and Deterioration. then destruction, right? Because it's matter. It came down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I would colloquially use the word the blue screen of death and stuff like that. <laughs> so maybe I'll just take this one verse and then we'll continue next time. So Avyaktini Bhutani Vyaktamadhyani Bharata Avyaktanidanyeva Tatraka Paridevana. All all created beings are unmanifest in their beginning, manifest in their interim state, and unmanifest again when annihilated. So what need is there for lamentation? So here Krishna is in one sense integrating the two worldviews from a external perspective. So if you consider a child, a infant. No, initially it's just chemicals, chemicals from the male, chemicals from the female. They are there. That's what exists. That's that's all you could say. The person is almost unmanifested that time. Hmm? Chemicals, you could say pre-birth. That is the it, there are chemicals are distributed different places in the male and the female. Now from there, there is a manifested stage that comes. So in the manifest state, the person, we have a child, we have a we have an adult, and then eventually it all becomes again chemicals, depending on how the body is dealt with. You bury it, burn it, whatever we do with it, post-death. So now It's become manifest, unmanifest again. So if we consider what is happening here in these three stages, if there is nothing more beyond this manifest and manifest stage, then why bother? It's just chemical change. If nothing spiritual, then it's just mere chemical change. So... It is mere chemical change, why lament? That's the reasoning here. And, and if there is if soul is there, then the soul is always safe. Soul is always spiritual, and that's why it's always safe. So then again, why lament? 
So the idea is Krishna is in one sense checkmating the in terms of worldviews. For Arjuna, the factual reality that he is lamenting, he is saying that your lamentation is really not grounded in uh, in any any sound reality, in a sound worldview. If you're truly a devotee of materialism, you would not be lamenting. Mm-hmm. In fact, mm-hmm. there was a there was a celebrated scientist who said, who wrote a letter to his friend after his that friend's wife passed away. And he said, you know, for us, uh, it's just a chemical transition, and that is considered a fairly heartless letter. You know, he was trying to console, but. If you don't really feel, oh, it's just your wife has just a set of chemicals, and now she's this chemical has stopped functioning. You don't treat people like that. So, if we are really, if nobody can be that cold and heartless, that's what a person would have to be if they were rigidly materialistic. So, Krishna is saying, the fact that you are lamenting means that you are not materialistic, and if you are truly spiritual, then understand what spirituality is, and then. Rise above that lamentation. Hmm. So the fact that you have a heart, the fact that you feel that lamentation, it that you means that you do have these spiritual qualities, but it's that the spiritual qualities are misdirected because they're they're misdirected on the level of the body when we when really we're we're a soul. Yes, perfect. Kind of like Balaram's computer, like when it just destructed, like it wasn't unhappy or lamenting because it's matter. Yeah, true. Good example. Any last point, Balram? This is a great point. I like the word checkmate. Checkmate, Arjuna. Mm-hmm. I guess I could write that here. Checkmate. When there's check, you can move, but with checkmate, you can't move at all. <laughs> So, <laughs> so to summarize, we just we discussed initially about how the um, if we consider a materialist worldview, it has it has the implication of that is that the dignity of the individual, the equality of all individuals, many things like this, which we consider sacrosanct. It just become meaningless. In fact, life, along with the emotions that make life worth living, they also become meaningless. So Krishna is telling that if you are truly a materialist, then be a. If you don't believe the soul, then go it go down all the way, and just take it as just chemicals. So, but none of us does that. So this whole worldview, functionally speaking, no one. Uh, ultimately, foundationally speaking, it is a. It is a it is unlivably cold worldview, and Arjuna himself is not living like that way. So, accepting the soul is the best way of understanding what's going on in our life. And then, the next was we discussed about the change from manifest to unmanifest. Sorry, unmanifest to manifest, and back. So the point is that either way, if you think there's no soul, then just chemical changes. Why lament? 
so materialism or spirituality both will lead you to the same conclusion why lament and overall krishna messages that don't lament krishna will elaborate more on the soul and then he will reiterate this same message in the next section in the next series of verses which we'll discuss in our next session thank you very much thank you hari krishna hari krishna